And I think on the way out of this, the restaurant industry needs stimulation like we've never seen before, um, because this is, you know, this is akin to the, you know, the impacts of the Great Depression. Without JobKeeper, I'd say the vast majority of restaurants in Australia are trading insolvent as we speak. And it's got the potential to play it in a really ugly way. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The COVID-19 pandemic delivered a devastating body blow to the Australian hospitality sector. Many people in season one spoke of the fear and difficulties that may lay ahead in reopening with restrictions in place. Some believe that the reality of the financial situation for most restaurants in Australia is dire, and the next year is expected to be difficult to navigate. Is the problem way bigger than most people understand? Nino Zakali is one of Australia's most successful restaurateurs. With the restaurant Pendolino, and La Rosa in the heart of Sydney CBD. He believes the next year will test the resolve of everyone in the industry. Nino, how are you? Oh, I'm not bad, Anthony, all things considered. I'm not bad. Look, the, the reason I wanted to talk to you for the first episode of season two is that in a way this kind of started with you. I uh, penned an article about the fall of the restaurant industry because of this pandemic and the first person I thought of to speak to was you and there's many there's many reasons why that was but um, you're one of the great restaurateurs in Australia and you've got um, quite a brain on you that sort of analyzes all aspects of the industry and you've always got interesting things to say and I guess with the uh, stages that have been announced stage one two and three for a reopening of society. Um, I guess I just wanted to see how you're feeling right now about your business and what the landscape looks like. Well, I mean, it's kind of a really broad, it's a a direct question, but there's a a very broad broad answer to that and it depends where you really sit inside of the restaurant sector. Um, There's so much to talk about on this really. It's... uh, because it really depends, you know, I think you can make some general comments like um, restaurants that were exposed to sort of takeaway, to a decent takeaway component already inside of their models have probably been able to, you know, really, um, you know, I hate the word pivot because it just, just makes me feel sick every time I hear it because that's all we seem to be doing for the past six, six to eight weeks. But um it's like, but the, the truth is, if you are sort of exposed to takeaway in a significant way, you probably fared reasonably well. Even restaurants that are positioned to do takeaway pretty quickly, from the feedback I get, have been it's been not not too bad. Sort of quoting, you know, fifty percent decline, forty percent decline. Some businesses even growing, um, which is which is really interesting. Um, I guess the higher up the the food chain you go in terms of the restaurant sector. The more, uh, by by virtue of the nature of the operation, you're, you're not really um, set up for takeaway or known for that. Um, that's not to say that sort of some of the more higher end restaurants haven't done that successfully. Um, but so yeah, I mean, with our restaurants, they're at the top of the centre of the you know Strand Arcade in the centre of the CBD of Sydney. So we're not really. 
we're not not easy for us to do takeaway. The delivery models were they're challenging at the best of times. That's a topic for another discussion. But the margin that they take um, the the traditional platforms is really really high, which m- means if you're not doing takeaway as part of um, a takeaway or delivery service, it it, the, the, it gets challenging. Um, so it, I think it really what's happened has really impacted a lot of restaurants businesses in very different ways and those that were most able to really ramp up the takeaway thing seem to be the ones that have really um, have been able to navigate this the best for us really really difficult we're going to launch um, a delivery service and we're using two alternative platforms to do the, to do that so uh, one which is really um, like the purchasing platform and um, then the second is a, de- a delivery uh, a delivery model that's different again. They just do the, the delivery. So I guess there's been a lot of a lot of shaking up of the whole delivery space at the moment because of the massive increase in demand. Um, and then there's a range of different things that people can have done to try and – I mean, the bottom line is with this stuff, you know, the industry in Australia, the restaurant industry, so I don't know, you know, sort of, you know, floats between, I don't know, 4 or 5% profitability to – to, to, to the low single digits at different times. And we, that it's a really, really, an industry with really, really tight margins if you look at the industry as a whole. And if you can't just take, you know, taking 10%, 15, 20% revenue out of most of those models, it can be catastrophic. You know, my analysis over the, over the years would be that, you know, a 1% decline in revenue leads to a 3% decline in your bottom line, which means most businesses are in serious trouble at a 25 to 30% decline in revenue. You take out 80, 85, 90, 95, 100% of the, the, the situation and it gets really, really tricky. And the longer this goes on, the more tricky it gets. But basically, um, even with JobKeeper, unless you're doing a lot of takeaway or being able to pivot to as a, like a serious alternative revenue stream, you're in big trouble. And if you don't have deep pockets, uh, you know, aka um, cash reserves, uh, and uh, it's just a matter of time before you're going to go broke. And I'm not sure. Well, actually, I'm pretty sure that most most people in Australia that have no close association with the restaurant industry have any idea of how severe it is, because we are along with. Um, probably tourism. We're another aviation sector. Uh, if you if you really you know haven't got an ability to be a you know uh, have high takeaway high to takeaway component party model or, or being able to sell groceries somehow on um, mass. I want to get to um, a discussion about restaurant models and you know how profitability and and moving forward. But first, I just want to sort of paint a picture for everyone of the impact of the pandemic on your restaurants and and how you, how you started seeing things change and and, and what you've done to it um, deal with that well I guess the, you know I mean any person in businesses you know is going to be looking at your revenue pretty pretty regularly um, so because it's the lifeblood of any business you know cash is king it always has been king um, and it always will be. It's basic, basic mathematics. 
uh, incremental revenue into your businesses leads to incremental growth to your bottom line. And if it goes the other way, it goes the other way. So I'm sort of like looking at figures and trends and stuff all the time, you know, as well as being, you know, completely focused on our product because our products, you know, got to be, that's our first concern always. But you're looking at revenue and, and I guess... You're looking at, you're hearing the noise about what's going on. We, we've got close associations with Italy, so we were getting feedback from Italy that this was way bigger than what everyone thinks. So I had mates that live in Italy, um, Italians and Australians, telling me that, hey, this is, you know, just a bad flu and it's only going to impact elderly people. And then within a week or two, were selling, sending me podcasts, Italian podcasts, saying this is very different to what we all thought and we've probably all underestimated this. So we, with that backdrop, we're listening, we're watching what's going on because I'm thinking, you know, it comes here, what's the impact going to be on us, on our revenue? So it was clear where we're positioned, we're very, very heavily oriented to the corporate to corporate community. We are a corporate restaurant, um, whether we like it or we don't. Tourism's significant, but the biggest thing for us is really about business in the CBD. And um, so what happens in the corporate sector really has an impact on our businesses and in order to effectively and um, to run them um, in, a, in, a, in a compliant way, you've really got to be across your labour management. It's the most important thing in our industry. Um, and so you just want to know where the revenue figures were going. And I was starting to hear, it was really interesting, the week before the massive decline happened and it happened really quickly, quickly it was we, we went off the edge of a cliff in, in a space of about three days. So, But in the first week, we, we were on par with, pre, with the previous year's sales. Um, and, and, but what I noticed was the corporate spend, we're hearing that, you know, Ernest and Young were looking at you know, trialling the whole of their staff of working from home to see if their IT systems were going to deal with it. We're hearing all this kind of stuff from different corporate organisations in the city, our client base. So and, and and it was really interesting. The, the the government, I think, probably knew more than they were saying. Uh, the corporate sector absolutely was across this way before anybody else, definitely the general public. So on the Friday lunch, I don't think we had 18 people booked in one restaurant and about 15 in the other, which is just, you know, Friday lunch is normally of peak, peak trading time in restaurants um, in, in the CBD. And, um, and I knew we could see it was falling away the... The, and there were lots of corporate bookings that were being cancelled. And then Saturday night, ironically, and Friday night were a couple of record nights for us. And Friday and Saturdays, that's when the general public dines with us more than, than the business community. So it was really clear to me that the business was really ahead of the curve on this one and the general public had no idea what was going on. And then by the following week, you know, we're looking at forward bookings. The forward book, the following week, we were projecting a decline of about eighty-five percent going into the week. So for me, so for me, it was just so we went from the week before, dropped maybe I don't know 10, 10 percent on the previous year, on a similar week, um, to you know we, we could see this, and and you have to respond really quickly to this stuff. You just can't. A lot of people don't understand why people shut businesses early. Well. Our estimations is that you know the following week wasn't wasn't as quite as bad as we thought it was. A, I think it was about a sixty about a sixty sixty um, about a sixty about two third 
drops, about a 67, 68% drop in in revenue in one week. And um, so right from the start of the week, I knew we were shutting down and I knew because I just knew that you know, to keep operating with that level of revenue is like, is like you go backwards so quickly. So, so I can I can I can say that we you know we we lost about we lost just south of fifty thousand dollars in one week, uh, in that week. So, that that's that's a harrowing experience. Um, and then you, then we went into um, and this is why people get stood down because the businesses if they continue to try and trade and not do that, then they. Um, then they'll be insolvencies just very very close. So you know, so we then we then shut it all down. It was before the prime minister actually called it, um, but in the end we didn't trade out of any, any time out of out of the the officially called shutdown. Um, and I called it on Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday, and then by Sunday night the prime minister had made made the call to shut all restaurants down except for takeaway. Um, the following week, we probably our estimates probably about twenty six k, you know, across the, the two restaurants in, in loss. So you managed to quell it, um, but that was before JobKeeper, and so these figures are, you know, these are figures that not many businesses can go backwards at that rate for very long. So and we definitely can't. So um, so then it was just then the, by the following week, we'd, we'd really uh, JobKeeper was. Um, was going to be back paid to that week, so that that made a massive, you know, massive difference. I mean, JobKeeper's ugly in many ways, but it's um, I've got to say, you know, any any kind of initiative or legislation that's going to be sort of rolled out that quickly, is, it's always going to be ugly. And I think I have to commend the government for what they've done. There are big big problems with it uh, and holes in it, but. Um, you know, it's it really addressed the first major issue that we all have, which is really around staff costs now, but also staff costs in the future. Because it also costs you when you're pivoting, you, you kind of need a core staff to do that as well. It's not like you just you know we're we're rolling out new businesses in in three or four days where we would normally take six months to work on a new concept or a new initiative. Absolutely. So moving forward, then as the industry tries to reopen and you know there's all sorts of restrictions in place you know 10 people 20 people there'll be 100 people um, all sorts of distancing you know what's the reality of of the landscape and um, profitability in that period our analysis would tell us and this is sort of you know this is without verifying it against actuals but our analysis would tell us that you kind of hit break even you know our businesses hit break even at around, you know, the 70, 75% of revenue mark. So um, what it says is you, you need high levels of revenue to be breaking either. Otherwise, you're going backwards. Now, JobKeeper helps that. Without that, and if you're doing, if the industry's doing 30, 40% less revenue as a whole, there's, the industry as a whole is not is is in is is not making any money. Like they're going backwards, arguably a, a lot more. So, so how long can you go on for? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think only thirty percent of businesses in Australia that re, that registered for JobKeeper actually went through with it. And the main reason that that didn't happen is because of cash flow concerns. They 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 couldn't carry the payments to lead up to the 
to the first payment. Now, you know, uh, Josh Frydenberg, and, and, and you know, I, I don't want to be too critical because I think the guys have really, really moved quickly on this. It's, it's not, it's not, it's, it's ugly and it's got big holes, but it was, it was pretty awesome what they did. But he's turned around saying, just go to the bank and take the low, the low interest loan, the quarter of a million dollars to pay your staff. And, you know, so, so to do that, uh, what what Josh didn't tell everybody was that uh, the banks will only do that if if you give personal or directors guarantees. So so that initiative was really about putting people's houses on the line, um, and um, so that was probably not an option for a lot of people as well to be able to give personal guarantees to even get that money. So what that tells me is that there's probably a lot of businesses that are going to have trouble with cash flow. Um, and once JobKeeper goes, it's really dire, um, and a lot of their position really depends on how their negotiation is going with leases and with their landlords. So what, what I'm what I'm saying is that I don't think most people quite understand the gearing of restaurants and how bad this is, and that um, and that you know this whole uh, sort of like this this period of uh, of um, you know like um, quarantining the. You know the the Insol- insolvency acts, which which finishes it in four and a half months' time. I think the real the real the real bloodbath is going to be seen in the next you know sort of six to twelve months. Um, my feeling is for a lot of the industry, um, you know, I think the, you know, the government's really going to need to step in um, and 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 do something. Otherwise, it's just there's going to be. Um, there's going to be some real problems. I mean, it gets ends up getting reflected in, in unemployment levels, but it's really, really bad. And I think on the way out of this, um, they need and the restaurant industry needs stimulation like we've never seen before, um, because this is you know this is akin to to a great you know, the impacts of a great depression. And I guess the, the big problem concern is about is what what's what's going to happen here. Like without JobKeeper. I'd say the vast majority of restaurants in Australia are trading insolvent as we speak, unless they really were able to pivot to takeaway, or were already heavily exposed to takeaway, and and that's going to play out. You know, it's got the potential to play it in a really ugly way. So you were just talking about restaurants needing stimulation. What can the government do to help further? I mean, I saw a, um, a circular going uh, the other day. Uh, I think it was a restaurant and catering. Um, I think it might have been an article. Uh, and they're talking about potentially for a period or indefinitely winding back uh, fringe benefits tax on um, on restaurant spends from, from businesses. So make restaurant spend tax deductible. Um, this was sort of floating around my head before I read it and it was sort of like because oh, I was thinking, you know, it's the kind of injection that the, the industry needs. If, if business can do their corporate entertaining and have it tax deductible, then I think there's no doubt it's going to lead to, to business coming back more quickly, um, a lot more quickly and spending a lot more. Um, you know, another idea that was floated was to uh, remove GST on all food so all restaurant food as well would would um, would remove GST. That's like a, you know, that's a ten percent kicker straight away. That that'd be huge. Maintain pricing at, at the pre-COVID levels and and get that. So they're two and they're two really brilliant initiatives. Um, what else have you done to help get through this pandemic? 
No, we're, so we've we've rolled out, you know, an online. We had an online wine business, so you know, with a boat, very bespoke uh, wine procurement program in particularly in Italy, um, but also in Champagne and in uh, some New Zealand producers and in Australia. So for us, we already had an online line. We really went out hard on that, um, and that really surprised us. That's really good. We've launched a range of, you know, um, sort of handmade pastas as well, which has been another thing that's been really well received. That's still really small change from where we need to be. We're going to go out with the delivery, and we're also going to um, – we're going to do the ten, the you know we're gonna we're actually going to open Pendolino with the, with the ten ten person. It sounds completely ludicrous to most people in the industry, and, it, and and it's and it's ludicrous to me too. But I guess if you can peg back twenty percent here, ten percent there, fifteen percent there, <clears throat> particularly under JobKeeper, you get to that point where you you know you can break even. Then you're probably in a in a pretty good position, relatively speaking. Can you tell us? How are you going to handle opening Pendolino with uh, ten people? With ten people, I got we were, we were modelling it up today in the restaurant, and it's like because it's, it's ten, and then it's twenty, right? And then because of the four meter rule, for us it'll go up to about fifty five covers. What sort of menu are you going to do? Well, we can only the only way you can really do this is you know only way we can do this, and you know I was a little bit like you know you you kind of have to process this information, and you go through the full gamut of you know, emotions when you when you hear new releases on what's going on. You know, the first thing was like, you know, what effing planet are these people on? You know, but you kind of got to understand, once again, it's a one-size-fits-all scenario and they're really trying to open up cafes. This is really about cafes where people can go and sit, have a coffee, have something quick and get in and get out and then you can have 10 people. It's kind of an extension of the lines of 10 people, you know, that, that sort of, the hang off of coffee machines at the moment all over Australia, probably the world. <clears throat> so when you understand that it's not this initiative is not really you know about restaurants and and it's about it's about the government slowly opening it up, allowing a bit more because kind of everyone's standing in groups of ten anyway at coffee shops at the moment, um, allowing a bit more taking the you know the foot off the the brake for two weeks or three weeks to see how that goes before they go to the next phase. And so I guess from a restaurateur's perspective, it's a load of complete and utter bollocks. From a, from a health perspective, it probably makes it makes more sense when you look at it from that side. Um, and it's just a quantum change for us to wrap our heads around this because it's, you know, and I'm a bit like, you know, when people tell us to make lemonade out of lemons, you just feel like, smashing them in the face to be honest but it's like it's because it's I mean I guess you, you just don't understand it unless you've been running these kind of restaurants you know at all and, and, and for a long time but how did you get into the industry and um, you know why do you love restaurants so much yeah well I mean I think it just kind of you know I think I think this industry kind of picks you more than you pick it um, you know you really get you're really passionate about you know the whole dining experience of produce you know I grew up in a that family that was, you know, you know, I used to beg my father to go to the shop and buy food rather than grow everything ourselves. You know, could we act like normal families and and buy food from the supermarket? You know, I didn't realise at the time that was sort of uh, that was like a you know preparation for a career later for me that you know such close proximity to produce and you know dad do grew everything. You know, like going into COVID, he had like two freezers full of his own beef that had been processed. He was like, 
he was preparing for, for COVID nineteen for about fifty years. He wasn't he wasn't planning on changing his diet or his habits for the next twelve months, and he doesn't need to leave his home. He reckons so. That's funny, but I mean, I we all get into it, you know. We we kind of you know. There's a lot of I, I wouldn't call myself an uh, uh, like the chefs. You know, you sort of. I don't know. It's it kind of chooses you. You really, really fall in love with, with creating beautiful things from you know from things that come out of the earth or grow on the earth or in the water and that whole process of transformation and then presenting it in in a in a different format to people is something that you kind of just it kind of you fall in love with and it chooses you and I think and you know so for uh, for a lot of it's just really a really difficult thing. These ideas about you know serving food on plastic plates or, or paper plates and using plastic cutlery—it's it's it's kind of you know it's kind of difficult for people to wrap their heads up. I don't think we need to do that, and we're going with it because um, we just think that we, we we what we've done is we've gone well. We're really going to take Pendolino. We're not going to open La Rosa to start with, but we feel that we're going to. With ten, we're, we're almost going to look at it like it's a pop-up version of its own restaurant, in its own space. But we're going to do a tasting menu, um, and um, so we're go- it's going to be um, tasting only, basically a degustation menu uh, for ten people, and we'll have a we'll have two seatings at night, probably starting at six o'clock, and the second one at eight fifteen, and. Um, and 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 we'll start with Friday lunch and Saturday we'll probably do two lunch services and two dinner services. I think it's really good if if it's successful in 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 if it's sort of like stage one, two, and three of this are actually successful, which I've got big question marks around because I'm I'm really concerned that it's gonna it's gonna mushroom out again because it seems so contagious um, um, this virus. And but if if it does, I think. It's really important to to really start to um, get the core of what we do, even if it's a smaller version of it happening. And I think we can't really do ten we can't really do ten um, ten piece, places at, in, in a restaurant on the same pricing model. So we're not. We're going. You know what? It's a really rare time in history. We're going to turn this into a pendolino that we've never seen before. Um, and because we kind of don't have any other choice, and we're going to do that and give that a shot, you know. So it'll um, it's, it's kind of been the direction of the restaurant for a, for many years now, anyway. So we're trying to look at it as and then have it in amongst a range of other uh, sort of revenue generating streams that we've got going at the moment. So um, you know, that's we're not going to make we're not going to you know turn over the, what we did before on this model, but. If it's incremental, then it, and it helps. You know, the guys are quite excited about it in a strange way, um, and you know, which is really, really good. I mean, I, the other thing that you know we're not really talking about much is you know all these temporary visa guys that we really run our restaurants on across Australia. You know, and and and, and, and it needs to be said that there's two point three million of them in Australia. So, 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 more or less, you're talking ten percent of the Australian economy. Right, ten percent of the people in the Australian economy. So, so fifty percent of them are just told to go back to their country, and they go back to their country. There's your recession right there, right? So that's just that's just a, a numbers recession. Um, but we, I don't think even if 
an appropriate treatment was found next week or tomorrow and you could roll it out and it goes, hey, it's safe again. We just got just take these pills and you'll be fine. I just don't think we could ramp it all back up and go back up to – it's questionable as to whether most people could do 70%, 80% of the revenue on the staff at the moment because they're just not there. Like they've, you know, the temporary, the temporary visa workers is a big, big issue for certain industries, agriculture, particularly agriculture, particularly hospitality in Australia. I mean, that's that's just a reality. Where do you see your business, Pantolino and La Rosa, in six to twelve months, realistically? I think it's really tricky. Like um, a lot of it depends on. JobKeeper, I reckon. And I know there's talk of sort of winding elements of it back, but for our industry, it needs to be continued a lot further, um, really, to get beyond this. And the second thing is really how, how does this all play out with landlords? That's that's another big factor. The third one, which is probably the first one, really, is what does this disease look like in a month's time, in three months' time, in six months' time? I mean, these are quite harrowing thoughts, really. Because if, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll pose the question: what, what does, what is, what are restaurants, what is, what is, what does retail look like if, 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 um, if inappropriate treatment isn't found quickly, and if it looks like it's mutating? Because that's really, you know, I mean, if 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 a treatment's found, and then or or a, uh, or a vaccine, and the vaccine looks like it's a, probably take longer, <coughs> with no guarantee. Then I think it's a slow. I think it's a sort of slow crawl out of a hole. That's what I think it is. And I think we've all, everybody's really looking at alternative revenue streams, really to to make it. What do you think the positives are to come out of um, opening up? You know, like you are with Pendolino and what many restaurants may be doing at this time as well, slowly opening up. What's what's going to be some of the positives moving forward? There's been an enormous amount of positives come out of this, which is really strange. I mean, I haven't sort of gone home and the neighbourhood be really, really quiet since I was living in Bunbury about 40 years ago, right? So it was just a bizarre thing for me to go home. And I think in a strange way, it was actually nice to be, you know, my, my wife and my son are happy to have me cooking for them every night, which is different. Um, and um, that's been really pleasurable, actually. It's a strange thing to say, but it has. I think there's been an enormous willingness for people to do things that they otherwise wouldn't have been willing to do, which has been really interesting. It's almost like being, it's kind of like doing, um, you know, doing business uh, in a different way. So you've got lots of, you know, minimum quantities of things or maximum quantities. There's, you know, there's been such a willingness to people to do new things like, we had a line of, you know, a retail pasta line pegged um, right from and, – and, and, and sources and stuff pegged from from sort of 13 years ago when we were launching Pendolino and we never really got to do it because we were just too busy running restaurants. But then we did it and it was like there had been an enormous amount of um, satisfaction in that. We <coughs> converted a, a cool room to an industrial-scale dryer to make dried pasta. Well, as we um, start to take the baby steps to – see what that new world is with the restaurants being allowed to open up and the uh, unimaginable 10-seated Pendolino opens. <laughs> uh, how, how are you going to feel opening the doors for the first time and doing this sort of pop-up in your own restaurant? How's it going to feel? 
Um, it's <laughs> it's funny because I was I, the the whole concept of doing ten seats is just just this like not something any of us would really you know are happy about. Um, but I woke up this morning and I said to my wife, to Crystal, I said, oh, I feel really happy. I do feel happy and I can't really explain it because life's pretty depressing at the moment for anyone in restaurants. Like you wake up and, you, you know, it's, it's, it's not a great space because you just don't know whether, you know, you don't know whether you're going to be viable in three months' time or six months' time or 12 months' time. So, you know, and I woke up and I said, I feel really good. And she just looked at me, she goes, you're opening you know, you're opening up one of the restaurants. So, yeah, obviously really happy about that. And I think, um, yeah, I intellectually, mentally, I, w- I couldn't, I would probably would say that it, I, just, I don't feel any different about it, but I think emotionally I actually do. I feel like, uh, I don't know, there's an excitement that we're actually going to do that. Because, you, I don't know, you, it's, it's something that you you work at your craft over a long period of time and doing and... And then there's all these people that send you all these emails that you know I, I could I I can't read them because it's just too um, it's just too difficult to read them. People send you emails, you know, explaining to you in great detail how the care and attention and the experiences I've had for for key milestones in their lives and stuff, how you've been such an integral part of their lives, and you know. Um, it's it's kind of um, it uh, yeah it's it's because I think subconsciously everyone can just talk like I'm talking now about this and you go into a survival mode and you do all that but it does have a there is a deep seated impact on on everybody you know and and I think you don't really it, it, it sort of creeps up on you every now and again comes out you feel very deep emotions sort of out of nowhere and. Um, because I think, in a way, I think everyone in our industry is, you know, sort of going through trauma. We're actually dealing with trauma to a degree, and um, and there's a big sense of not knowing there. You know, it's it's really I don't think anyone can really say to predict too much because I just don't don't think we know. Um, so, so I think, notwithstanding that background, you know, kind of sort of doom and gloom background, it's it's. We're looking forward to doing it. We're also looking forward to rolling out the the delivery. Takeaway is hard for us. We're at the top of the Strand Arcade in the middle of Sydney, so it's not an easy place to get to. So, and once again, that's a little bit different. That's sort of like a hits of both restaurants into a sort of a Pendolino group takeaway service. Um, we surveyed um, our database. We've got a pretty pretty big database, sort of just just south of twenty thousand people, and they've all eaten in the restaurant. So. We know that they know our brands and what we do, and we surveyed them. And you know, a lot of people really wanted the food at home, or or, or a you know a takeaway version of it. Of course, takeaways. You know, everyone's sort of like having to change the way they do things for a for a takeaway or a pickup or a delivery service. So that's different again, but that's quite exciting in the sense that we're doing new initiatives and. Um, yeah, people are working closely together as well. You know, with all the team, everyone's really, you know, everyone's really kind of focused on on you know getting a positive result. And you know, that it's everybody, everybody's kind of suffering. Unless you're a part time worker that used to work five hours a week, and now you're earning seven hundred and fifty dollars, which is you know 
um, probably rare, more rare cases than, than common. Um, you know, everyone's everyone's taken a hit with this, and in our industry, and so you know, you can't really blame anybody or each other. It's just it's it's completely out of our control. Well, mate, um, you've got a big um, period coming up here with um, opening your new restaurant or the version of. Um, listen, um, really appreciate your time and your thoughts. Um, keep in touch, and uh, very much looking forward to seeing what uh, the new Pendolino looks like and 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 what happens moving forward. And we really appreciate you giving us your time. Great talking to you to you as well. Always always, mate. And um, yeah. Look forward to chatting again soon. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.